0: Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, October 15th, 2023. Today's sermon will be part one from Hebrews 13, 10 to 16. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org. Click the current sermons link at the top and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter uh, 13. And uh, we're going to be in verses 10 to 16. And the title of uh, this message and the next one is, is the Christian altar. Let me read verses 10 to 16 and then we'll pray and get started. Verse 10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured, for here We have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this time together. Um, we, we come today because we have an altar, a heavenly altar. and We know that at the end of the day, that altar is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so we come in his name as Christians, and we ask that you would help us, give us grace. Father, I pray that in spite of me, that you would work. I pray that Jesus would increase. That I would decrease, that all of us would decrease. I pray that Christ would be proclaimed. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Um, Father, we need you today, and we put this time into your hands, and we give it to you. In Jesus name we ask. Amen. Again, the, the title of the sermon is the Christian Altar," and we get that directly from verse 10 here, which says, "We have an altar. Um, an, <clears throat> an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. And I preached a, a version of this. I'm just going to tell you how, how, I, how I got here today and why we're having two sermons. There's just so much from this text. And so today's sermon will be a little bit more topical on the, the title of what is the Christian altar, when we think about altars in general. So it's more of a a general topic. And so next week there is very much more practical as we particularly look at verses 13 to 16. But when you think about the word altar, um, what do you hear? Altar. Well, if you grew up as a Lutheran or an Episcopal, you may you may find a special table or a platform in front of the church where people come and they kneel and they take the Lord's Supper there at the, at the altar. Some churches have a special table in front where the communion is served. To Catholics, the altar is the most important place in the, their places of worship, in the building. It's, it serves as the table for the, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, as its table of sacrifice. Very important, very important place. If you grew up Baptist, you may think of just the front of the church when they say the pastor says, "Come to the altar," um, as you come up to to pray. Um, you know, during the, the the altar call, as you come up, we've often heard that the altar call, but we tend to move our mind. I think maybe to a more cultural thing away from. We can't move it away from Jesus because we're still coming to Jesus. But in our minds, it's that place up front that's actually man-made and built. So my question is, what are we to think about this term altar here in Hebrews 13? And so if we think about this, we think about, you know, Christian worship. And how do we view this altar as regards Christian worship? Remember, this is our context going back to... Hebrews chapter 10 verse 28 says let us offer to God acceptable worship and so we want to know what does the writer of Hebrews mean when he says we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. So in order to answer this question we need to look back through the Bible for just a few minutes before we get into the meat of the sermon, but just for a few minutes, let's look back through the Bible and see how the word altar is used, which will help us understand how it's used here in Hebrews. First place we see the word altar is Genesis eight twenty, and uh, it is a place of stone, a place of earth or rock, and the, the root word in the Hebrew there means to slaughter or to sacrifice which we'll get to. And we read Noah built an altar to the Lord. So when the floodwaters had come and then gone, it was time for Noah and the animals to leave the ark. He tells God tells them to Noah to be fruitful and multiply. Greg, we heard that in Sunday school this morning. And after God spoke to Noah, what did Noah do? He built an altar, a special place where he sacrificed different animals and various birds there on that altar. The next time we see the word altar is in Genesis 12 with Abraham. God says to Abraham there at Shechem. He says, "Abraham, I will bless you, I will give you this land, I will make you into a great nation." And then after God spoke to Abraham, what did Abraham do? He then he built an altar. Same I think the same context there with, with Noah. Same kind of thing. Later, Abraham moved to another place called Bethel, where we are told in Genesis twelve eight that he built an altar to the Lord called upon his name. And then Abraham will build other altars in his life as well, including one to where he would sacrifice, go to sacrifice Isaac, his son. Later, Isaac, when Isaac grew up, He called upon the name of the Lord. He built an altar. Jacob, he built an altar where where God first appeared to him. Later, Moses would build altars. Many altars, I believe. But the first one was built after the battle with the Amalekites when Aaron and Hur held up their hands. And God gave them a miraculous victory. And so Abraham worshiped God at that place and he built an altar. And he called it. The Lord is my banner. Now, as we're moving through the Old Testament with all these altars, the next place that we see an altar is with the brazen altar. Well, well, do you know what the brazen altar is? Well, this is the altar that I believe Hebrews 13.10 is speaking about. So there are many passages that speak about this brazen altar. The specifics of it are found in Exodus 27. But the brazen altar was one of the seven pieces of furniture in the tabernacle. I mean, in the tent of meeting, particularly there. And uh, of all the pieces of the, of the furniture that were there, that were in the, you know the holy place, the outer court, the inner court, and then the holy of holies, the furniture that was there, This was the largest of all the pieces of furniture. It was of first importance. It was the first visible piece of furniture there just outside of the Holy of Holies as the priests would come in and the worshipers would know that that was there. It was made of wood, covered with brass, making it very, very durable so that it could withstand fire and it because there was fire that burned continually on that altar, Leviticus 6.13. And it was here on that brazen altar, in the holy place, where the priest would come and they would bring their, those, the animals and the sacrifices and pour the blood out there on that altar. Speaking of this altar, Exodus 29.42, we read, It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak to you there. That's God speaking. There I will meet with the people of Israel, and it shall be sanctified or set apart by my glory. This altar, this brazen altar, was really the basis of the Levitical system, for on On that altar, all of Israel's offerings were sacrificed, whether it was the burnt offering, the meal offering, the peace offering, the sin offerings, all of their offerings were brought to that altar. And then blood from those animals was put on the horns of the altar, it was sprinkled on the altar, it was poured out at the base of the altar, and the people were were so identified with that place that even certain parts of the sacrifices were to be eaten by the priests. They because God took care of those priests by giving them parts of the, the animals that they were to sacrifice. Paul refers to this place in First Corinthians ten, verse eighteen, when he says, Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar. So this altar, was all, it was for Israel. And it, it was for Israel, we could say from one perspective, Israel alone, because the other nations did not have that altar. And the, the Israelites were so jealous of this altar, of this place, that the thought of having another one of those built somewhere else brought jealousy and wrath and anger. Do you remember? When Joshua and the 12 tribes, they came in and they conquered the land of Canaan. They were given instructions and they built this altar. And then later, two and a half tribes who lived on the east side of the Jordan because they were further away, they decided to build what they thought to be an altar. And what did the, 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 the tribes on the west side say? You cannot build that altar. In fact, they were even going to go to war and say there is only one altar, one place of sacrifice. Of course, what happened there, they, when they talked with those leaders and those who built that altar, they said, no, this is not the altar. This is just a memorial so that everybody would know we have that altar. And then we come to Hebrews 13.10, which says, We, Christians today, have an altar, which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. Can you imagine such words from that context? When this Hebrew writer, this Hebrew pastor, speaking to those Hebrew Christians, starts saying, hey, we have another altar. Can you imagine such words? He is saying, I think, as Christians, we have another altar than that brazen altar. And those who serve the old altar, they have no right to take part in this new altar. So as Christians, we know the answer. We understand this, I, I believe. We know the altar was a picture of who? Christ. That's what that altar, the old altar, was put there for. In the altar, brazen altar, the Old Testament, we have the type. But in Christ, we have the anti-type. We have the, that which is real. This is why the old types and the shadows and all those pieces of the furniture and the tabernacle and the temple and all of those things do not, they're not sufficient because they were meant to point to. They were there for a time and they were good and they were right and they were God's ways for those people for that time. But why? To point. That altar was to point to the real altar who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that the real has come, we don't need those any longer. That's what the book of Hebrews is about. and I think he's summarizing that a bit here in this passage as he gets ready to wind down his letter and he says, or <clears throat> he says these things again, to, to wind it down. Today, as Christians, Jesus himself is the altar. Jesus says this, I am the." living bread that has come down out of heaven if anyone eats this bread he will live i think of jesus the woman at the well living water someone drinks of this water he says the bread that i will give for the life of the world is my flesh another verse that's been taken out of context through the years. John 6, 53, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, I believe that is completely, it's showing by faith this is what we do as Christians. We, by faith, eat and drink the Lord Jesus himself. So, that's my introduction today. And uh, it's, again, this sermon is very topical, but for the rest of our time, I have three truths of seven. There'll be seven, four next week, three today about the Christian altar. So here they are. Here's the three truths. First, the Christian altar is a place of holiness. That's truth number one. Truth number two about the altar. The Christian altar is a place of sacrifice. And finally, the Christian altar is a place of provision so three things holiness sacrifice and provision so let's begin this altar is a place of holiness I get this from verse 11 here even if you want to look at the text as the altar is seen as holy it's a holy place it was a holy place when we as we just went through that survey of altars in the old testament what was so important about those places it was, those were the places that, that where God met with his people. It was after meeting Noah and meeting Abraham and meeting you know, Isaac and Jacob, after those times that they built those altars. So those altars, though, were a place of holiness. Holiness. Because where God is, there is holiness. What did God say to Moses at the burning bush? Take off your shoes, for the ground where you are standing is holy. At Mount Sinai, when Moses went up to the mountain, the people could not follow. They could not even touch it, nor the animals, lest they die. At the brazen altar, okay, in the holy place, who could come? All the people? No, just the priests could come and offer those sacrifices. Only the pr- priests could do the work around the altar. They were given special privileges with the, the holy things of God. And that was God's way. And they had to wear special clothing that only, the, <clears throat> that only those priests could wear. And if they were not dressed accordingly or did exactly as God said, then they would be consumed. There's, there's, there are examples of that throughout the Old Testament. And so the the author of Hebrews is saying that we have a different altar than that one. In fact, the entire book of Hebrews speaks of Christ as the one who has fulfilled all the types of Mosaic law, including the brazen altar. Today, Christ is holy. He is holy. Why is he holy today? Answer my question. Because he is God. And as with the brazen altar, the only way we meet God, as they did in the Old Testament, was to go through that altar. The only way that we meet God, the only way we come to Him, is through this altar, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, of Jesus. We read these words in Colossians 1. Listen at these words carefully. I know I speak these often, but we often need to hear them. He is the image of the invisible God. Firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things. In Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Today Jesus says to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It's John 14, 6. Today, Jesus is the altar of God. Those who come to him are sanctified, are set apart. It's verse 12 here. Today if you are a Christian, your sins are forgiven. So, we tend to think just what happened this morning. I'm, even this morning, I'm so distracted. I, I think the older I get, the more distracted I get. And I think about things. Even we're singing, I'm, sometimes I'm thinking about things that I shouldn't be thinking about. Or, you know, go back to yesterday, go back to this week. And we tend to, to, to remember the things that, that we have done this week that have been sinful. If we've been angry, or we've been upset, or we've looked at something we should not have looked at, you name it, whatever we have done in our heart and in our actions, if you are a Christian today, and by faith, when you do those things, this is the key, as Greg pointed out this morning, if you are coming here and sitting here, and you are repentant, and you're saying, Lord, I am a sinner, and you are looking unto Christ, then he is the holiness of God and in him your sins are forgiven and so that's truth number one the altar is a place of holiness truth number two the altar is a place of sacrifice <clears throat> look at verse 11 For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin, are burned outside the camp. Well, the people at that time, under Mosaic law, and even before, they couldn't just sacrifice at any old place. Under the law of Moses, they had to come to the altar with a sacrifice, whether it be an animal or some kind of food like the grain offering. We must remember the root meaning of the Hebrew for altar is slaughter or sacrifice. And beginning with Moses, these sacrifices must be offered on the altar. That's where they had to come. And this offering was a sacrifice for sins. An animal, which would be a bull, a goat, a lamb, a bird, would be slaughtered on that altar. Are killed there, and then brought, and their blood brought to the altar. Life would be taken from these animals, for the wages of sin is death. There is no difference with this truth today. I imagine the Israelites, especially the priests, they could never lose sight of this fact. When we think about the bloody altars, okay, when you just kind of hear these words and you we think back in our mind, we just think here today, oh, they sacrificed animals. And then we just move on and we say, oh, we, we, we're about beyond that. So we don't think too much about that because we don't have the context for it. But for those Israelites at that brazen altar, how often were sacrifices offered when things were well in the country and they weren't at war and things? How often were, the, were those sacrifices offered every day? every single day and there was blood and there was guts and there was smell all around that altar we just think of this beautiful piece of furniture but if you really think about it that's what it was like and so I I think about just cleaning fish for 30 minutes anybody ever clean fish does anybody ever do that today man just a few people clean fish but I'm thinking, this is nasty and ugly, and I re- can't wait to go wash my hands, and then even that don't work. This is, you have to take a shower and put other things, and maybe a day later, the smell finally goes away. But to think about what was going on day after, day after day after day after day after day after day on that altar, it was an altar of sacrifice. And so I believe that those priests and those people that came by faith to that altar with their sacrifices— By faith, they really knew that they were sinners. And they knew that they should have been on that altar instead of those animals. But in God's provision, at that time, God said, bring the animals in the place of the people who were sinners. In God's mercy at that time, their sins were forgiven because they came, they were obedient And they did exactly what God said for them to do by faith. And they offered up sacrifices. And in so doing, the Bible says their sins were covered. It's very mysterious to me. I think it was very mysterious to Paul when he gets to the New Testament um, until the cross comes. But the theological term for taking away sins is, big word here, expiation means to take away sin in order for any person to be able to come into God's presence we must have our sins expiated taken away somehow it's like the psalmist who thinks of his sins and he says God has taken my sins and he has thrown them as far as the, as the east is from the west do you remember with the day of atonement scapegoat used on the day of atonement the priest would lay his hands on the head of that scapegoat and confess his sins and he would confess the sins of the people and then he would let the goat go away and the goat would go away into into the wilderness never to be found again that was a picture of expiation if you are a christian today if you have trusted christ your sins are expiated they are taken away because of that sacrifice. But there's more. In order for sins to be taken away, there can't just be a God taking it away. Something else must happen for that to happen. There must be sufficient punishment. Theological term for this punishment is not expiation, but propitiation. We use that word often. That is The wrath of God was poured out on the sacrifice. So, this is the more God to man side. So, when the Israelites brought their sacrifices to that brazen altar, they were saying to God, Accept the death of these animals in some way by faith. God, this is, these animals dying is your punishment that we deserve. So, your punishment and your wrath, your Propitiation is coming down upon those animals. And so they were saying, let these animals be burned as a pleasing aroma to satisfy the wrath that we deserve. But the problem of their sins in the old covenant is that their sins ultimately remain. Think about it. What did they do the next day and the next week? the next month they would bring their sacrifices to that brazen altar and what would they do the next year they would come back and do the day of atonement how many what about the year after that the year after that why do they keep doing them so that their sins could be expiated their sins could be propitiated their sins could be covered forgiven and so that's why they kept doing them but the reason as we look back they were never sufficient they had to keep doing those sacrifices. So what was wrong with those sacrifices? Well, there was a lot. Just a few things. Those were mere creatures. They were animals. They were creatures. They were of this world. They, were the, they weren't as we are, have been, created in the image of God in that way. Um, but they were not perfect they did not have sin, yes, like we do, speaking of animals, but they weren't perfect. They were of this world. They could not actively obey the commands of God so that God would be appeased and pleased with their obedience. All they did were just, they were animals, can do anything except what humans did to them. They were not willing and free to offer themselves. The Lord Jesus said, before the foundations of the world, I believe, I will go. I will go and do what is required. They, sins of, I mean, excuse me, the, the sacrifices of those animals, they were insufficient to cover, to take away or expiate the sins of the people, nor could they take away the, the wrath of God ultimately. Propitiation. This is why the the, the writer of the Hebrews says. The blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sins. There was something missing in those sacrifices on that altar. It was missing. It was insufficient. They were not sufficient. But listen to these words from Isaiah 53 about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. John one twenty nine says, I think John the Baptist, he sees the Lord Jesus coming up. As he's baptizing there, the river, Jordan River, he says, Behold. Behold who? The Lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sins of the world. 1 John 2.2, John says, He is the propitiation for our sins. So in this way, In these ways, in taking away our sins, taking away the wrath of God, Jesus is our altar. Hebrews 13, 10 here. As the brazen altar was a place of sacrificial judgment to take away and punish sin, so was the death of Christ. This means that nothing less than the atoning work of Christ can take away your sins. And so... If you are here and you are not a Christian, or if you call yourself a Christian but you are still banking on your good works, or you know what you've done is coming to church and, and as you lo- or if you didn't as I did for many years, just looking back to your baptism and to or to your Christian upbringing, whatever it is, all of those things will be, in a similar sense, like the altar of the old covenant. They will be insufficient. We come to Christ simply by faith. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we are saved. Expiation, taking away of our sins, propitiation, the wrath of God coming down upon the cross as Jesus laid down his life as a sacrifice. And we can't get away from it. The world looks at us and says, you guys are always talking about sacrifice and Christ on the cross and, <clears throat> and the blood of Jesus, how it covers Brothers and sisters, that is the most beautiful sacrifice. And that is why all the the old sacrifices are done away with. We don't do that anymore because Christ is our altar, our sacrifice. So, the altar is a place of holiness. The altar is a place of sacrifice. And finally, the altar is a place of provision. It only follows that good things come from the altar, um, if you go back from the old through through all the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, if you read it carefully, what was the provision that God gave? The altar. Well, if you get right down to it, it is God Himself. God offered Himself. I think of of God <clears throat> with Abraham telling him to cut the animals in half and put them on both sides and then walk through the middle there. That's what they did. But but God is the one who walks through the middle through fire. He's saying, "I, I am the one who will keep this covenant. Because you cannot do that. We are sinners. We are separated from God. Naturally, as we gather, as we come down from Adam and his kids and his kids and his kids so, and I say it often, we have to teach our kids to be good, right? We we don't have a problem teaching them to be naughty or to be bad because that is their sin nature. All of us are like that. And so the altar has always been a place of provision where God would meet with his people. The brazen altar, again, was a place of provision. In the Old Testament, under Mosaic law, it was a place that God provided. For his people. It's interesting though that for all the burnt offerings in the Mosaic law, the priests were allowed to eat of all those offerings that came to the to that brazen Excuse me, brazen altar. The priests were allowed to eat from the animals that they sacrificed. And you might say, Well, yeah, they ate because they had to, because God didn't give them land and other things. God took care of them in that way physically. Well, at the altar, God provided for the Levites by giving them portions of meat from the animals. But did you know there was one sacrifice in the Old Testament, one burn offering from which the priests could not eat? And we'll get into this more next week because that comes up here um, in, the, in the latter verses here. But <clears throat> if you remember, it was the burn offerings Of the Day of Atonement. The priest, the high priest was not allowed to eat from that burnt offering. They could not he could not allow or could not eat any leftover meat from the bull or the goat offered on the Day of Atonement. All of the remains must be taken, and not eat, but taken outside the camp and then burned up. So why was this sacrifice different? than all the rest. Again, we'll we'll get into this more next week, but this one sacrifice on the Day of Atonement is specially pictured person and work of Christ. I believe this pictured the depths of their sin and ours, but also highlights the completeness of Christ's sacrifice. The, The death of Christ completely takes away all our sins as All of that sacrifice was not eaten by the priest, but it was all of it burned up outside the camp. Nothing is left. No remains. Nothing to eat. And the Bible says to us today, Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. So today, God takes all of our sins as Christians, Whether it's our past sins, our present sins, and even sins that we will commit today. Even in our hearts and minds, even now as we listen to a a sermon. But he takes all of them. All of them. All of that sacrifice was burned up outside the camp. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. I am so thankful for that. And, And that's why a sermon like this with very little application. Again, applications are coming more next week. But just... As we sit here and listen, we know that Christ, he is holy. He is our sacrifice. He, and God comes down. He says, I will be with him. We call him Emmanuel, God with us. God himself is the sacrifice. The priest is the high priest. The one who lays down Him his own life is the offering and the high priest. Therefore, today, Christ is your provision. He is our provision. And not simply at the altar. (laughs) For as the remains of those animals were burned outside the camp, so was Christ crucified outside the camp. Christ did what the blood of bulls and goats could not do. They could not provide for what we needed. And I just would add that It's not just expiation and propitiation, just forgiveness or sins. That is the beginning. But God gives us grace and strength through the power of the Holy Spirit for those who have believed on the Lord Jesus to be good men and good women, to be good husbands and be good fathers and to be, children, look up here at me, to be obedient. We cannot do these things on our own. To be good neighbors. To those who live beside us. And those whom we work with. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what I mean as Christians. As you read your word. And you look unto Christ. And you think of your own sin. And you think of all the mess that's going on. And in that, in that moment the Lord Jesus by His Spirit gives you great grace to go on. So next week we will move into the rest of these verses. Which I think will be very applicable to us. But in conclusion, we have an altar, brothers and sisters. And it's not one that we have built. It's an altar that can only come down from heaven. It's a place of holiness, a place of sacrifice, and a place of provision. And because of the person and work of Christ, when do we worship? Just at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings? No, we worship every single second of our lives. So with that in mind, let me close with verses 20 and 21 of Hebrews 13. I'm going to preach these. And by the way, I've only got, I think, one, two, three more sermons, and we're done with Hebrews. But let me end with Hebrews uh, 13, 20, and 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you, equip us with everything good that we might do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words this morning. Thank you for this topic. Christian altar, Father, we know that altar is the Lord Jesus Christ, and He he is holy, He is our sacrifice, and everything that we need or have, or it comes down to us in provision, starting with the covering of our sins, all the way to the new creation, the new heavens, new earth, comes down through the provision of Christ, our altar. Help us, Father, this morning to understand this topic a little bit more as we try to apply this more next week. And uh, help us today to look unto Christ, to trust Him and love Him, and look unto you and love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Row YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.